just want to thank you for your goodness. I want to take some time and make sure that we just remember uh, that you are working in our lives. Lord, we thank you for each testimony tonight. Lord, we thank you for all the things you do that we're just so callous that we're not even thinking about. Lord, we thank you for the health and the protection uh, that you brought us through uh, this week and all the travel and and yet, Lord, things continued and, and went on as they should right here. Lord, we just thank you for that you're not limited in space and time. You're not limited by our position or our abilities. Lord, we're thankful that you're always working. We're thankful that your word is not just words on paper, but it's alive. And Lord, we just thank you for the expectation of your greatness and goodness that we can have. As servants of the Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. All right, Brother Franz, let's have that last song. Have you go to your class tonight? And the rest of us, let's turn to the book of Luke, chapter 17. Luke, chapter 17. And uh, if you've been around here very long, this is uh, a familiar passage of Scripture. And uh, just wanted to take a break from the the series the, and just cover a few things, maybe the next several weeks. And uh, But in Luke chapter 17 and verse 5, just want to look at one, one verse and then the context around it, because this should be our plea. And Luke 17, verse 5, And the apostles said unto him, Lord... Increase our faith. Now, how many of you echo that sentiment? Lord, increase our faith. I mean, we we need more faith. That, I mean, that is the answer. I, I don't care what the question is. Sometimes I get accused when I'm talking with people and they're saying, but pastor, you're not listening to me. Well, here's the problem. is You're telling me more about you. I don't need to know more about you. Uh, you need to know more about Jesus. Uh, that That is the answer. Uh, but, see, you don't understand me. No, no. The, the Bible already has you pegged, my friend. Uh, there, there is no, uh, nothing left to imagination. The Bible has the answers. The problem is, we need faith. And uh, I, before we get into the answer to this question, I'd like to get, into the reason why the disciples asked this thing of Jesus. And and let's just start in verse 1 of chapter 17. Then said he unto his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and he cast into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves, if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him, and if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Now, this is what Jesus said faith ought to do. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you had trouble or issues putting up with another human being since last Sunday? Would you just raise your hand? 
Good, that means you're alive. If you didn't raise your hand, either you just hibernated in your apartment all week and didn't see or talk to anybody, or uh, or you're just such a wonderful person, we won't know what to do with you. Amen? Uh, the simple truth of the matter is, we face problems every day in every way. Uh, and guess what? I've got some encouraging news for you. It's going to happen again this week. And the week after and until Jesus comes. And how we deal with these things. You see, if we have faith in God, if we are truly servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, should not our response be different than someone who is not saved, who is not a servant of Christ, who does not have the Holy Spirit of God, living in them, should not our response be different? Um, Several years ago, the the Mormon church ran a whole series of ads in the television and, and everywhere you went talking about the Mormon church was the family church. And, uh, and they had all these wonderful pictures and, uh, I was not the one that did it, but I heard a preacher talking about someone that said, well, we did a little research and we found out the divorce rate in the Mormon church is actually about uh, 100% higher than it is in the non-Mormon population. And yet they were advertising themselves as a family church. Um, if you say something that ought to be true, amen, we're not just trying to pick on the Mormons tonight. But what we're trying to do is, Jesus says, listen, if your faith in God is real, it is going to manifest itself in how you have a relationship with other people, especially other people who name the name of Jesus who are Christians. It should be different. And I don't know if you've ever had this happen But Jesus said, if thy brother offend thee, trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt question his veracity is the first thing that comes into my mind. How about you? He said, I don't believe in calling people liars, but I will question their veracity, which is actually the same thing. Uh, That's not what it says. It says, thou shalt forgive them. Now, I don't know if you've ever had that happen. I don't know that I ever have. Now, I've had uh, children on occasion do something wrong, and, and we sit down, we get this thing straightened out, and the next thing I know, they're doing the same thing over again. And we sit down, and we get this thing straightened out, and the next thing I know, they're doing it over again, and say, now, what? we we got a problem here. Uh, We can't have this thing just continuing as such. Something needs to change. And, of course, Jesus was touching just a little bit on hyperbole or exaggeration here. But what he was really trying to get a point is, is there something ringing? Um, But uh, he, he was trying to help us understand that Faith, if it is active in our life, 
is going to take us from normal to abnormal behavior. You know what? It's abnormal to forgive and all of these things. It is not within human nature. And as the disciples are listening to him, they're going, Lord, this isn't going to work. I mean, can you imagine Peter? How many of you would like to offend Peter? If I mean, if he were actually here invisible and you could talk to him. I mean, if there were any one of the disciples that I really wouldn't want to get on the wrong side, it would be the Apostle Peter. Because, I mean, he, he had been known in Scripture to do things about that, like in the garden with the sword in the ear and all, all of those things. But I can just see Peter saying, Lord, this sounds like a, 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 an impossible order. And together they echo the issue... God given them enough wisdom to know what to ask for. They said, Lord, increase our faith. Now, Jesus is going to respond to that, and that's where we're going to spend our main time tonight. It says in verse 5, Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if he had faith as a grain of mustard seed, he might say to this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea. And it should obey you. Now, people read that and they go, yeah, wow, that's, that's incredible. But let me ask you, do you know of any substance known to mankind? A sycamine tree, they tell us, would grow upwards of 70 feet tall. It would be as big as any of the big trees on this block here. And it said that that tree would be picked up by the roots, the roots pulled out of the ground, then the whole tree and its root system and all transported and thrown into the sea. And uh, I just went on Google Maps just to make sure. And if you take Jerusalem to the sea coast, it's uh, uh, just almost 70 kilometers, just a little over 50, right in that 50-mile mark. Uh, you take a tree that is 70 foot tall, about this big around, flying through the air uh, 50 miles and landing in the sea, and it says one grain of faith is capable of accomplishing that. We don't have any explosive that strong. I mean, we have equipment that could pull that tree out of the ground or grind it to... Uh, 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 chips and throw it out. I mean, we can do all kinds of stuff, but you're not going to get it done with one grain of a mustard seed of any commodity known to mankind. Could I challenge you? Jesus was trying to tell us two things. Number one, there is nothing known to man that is as powerful as faith is. And number two, it doesn't take a lot to get a lot done. But he started that with the word if. He said, if, if you had enough faith to be measured in a grain of mustard seed, you could do things that were just absolutely impossible. And by the way, faith in and of itself is not me doing something. Faith is simply believing this word enough to obey it. Do you remember when you got saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, what's it say? Thou shalt be saved. You know, there's people that have believed those things all their life. And yet, they never called upon Jesus to ask him to save. That's, that's not faith. Faith is completely following the word of God. And Jesus said, if you had just this little, teeniest bit of faith, you could have this sycamine tree. I'm sure there was one right there, handy. And Jesus said, plucked up by the roots and cast into the sea. That's an amazing thing. And faith does amazing, incredible things. My father-in-law liked to say there's a fine line between faith and foolishness. And uh, he said, and in nearly 50 years of ministry, I don't think I found the line yet. And meaning that what some people consider foolish is actually just being faithful to the Word of God. You know what the world tells us? The nice guy finishes last. Isn't that what the world tells us? And yet, here's what Jesus said. If you have faith, if if your faith is working, you're going to get along with other people. Now, there's people that have accomplished great things. Uh, I think of um, uh, of some of these great people. I won't try to name names, but uh, I think um, one guy, his, his famous quote was, I give my whole fortune for one good marriage. And he should have known because he had at least eight unhappy ones, or not good ones, uh, And yet, the Bible tells me that two people who come together in the Lord Jesus Christ have no excuse for not having a great and wonderful marriage. Amen? I mean, there are things that you cannot buy. There are things that you can accomplish without faith, yes. And there are great things that can be accomplished. But, if you want what is truly incredible, what is truly beyond value, you're going to have to have faith. And you're going to have to get some more of it. And Jesus said, listen, you don't need a lot. But the problem is, you don't have any. You know how your faith gets tested? That's when something bad happens. That's normally when our faith gets tested, isn't it? I mean, it's easy to believe God when everything is going just the way we are. Read the book of Job. I mean, it was easy for for Job to believe in God when he was the richest man in the East and all of his kids were seated at the table around him and everything was going good and everybody listened to Job and everybody wanted to know what Job had to say and then all of a sudden it was all gone. But we read the book of Job and we find out that Job said, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And if you want a theme to the book of Job, it's simply let God be God. Because God will do what he wants 
it's best to get out of his way. And that's why Job was rebuked at the end of the book, because he kind of just got in the way of God doing the things that God wanted to do in that book. And Job finally got it all right, and God blessed Job and restored him. And somebody said, why? You know, some of that I can't answer. I don't know anybody that can. Some of it was just slap down the devil a little bit. He said, have you considered my servant Job? And the devil gave all these excuses and said, Job's going to fail and Job's going to quit. And you know what? Job had faith. He didn't quit. And so often, that's what God is asking for us. And he says, you don't need a lot of faith. And then he gives us an example, and we need to go through this. He says, but which of you... Verse 7, but which of you having a servant, plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by when he is come from the field, go and sit down to meat, and will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. And we're just going to stop there. And... uh, You know, this idea of a servant is really foreign to American culture. We we don't have servants. We there has not been such a thing as servants since the I mean they had people in the nineteen twenties and all of that called servants, but they really weren't. They were they were employees. Uh this servant was someone that was a slave, some that was owned. And it said that they would work all day in the field. Now, how many of you have ever actually worked all day in a field? I mean, manual labor, plowing and feeding cattle. That's that's the illustration that was given here. Uh, I'll tell you what. You will understand the meaning of the word tired after digging in a field all day, uh, uh, tending the livestock and all of the duties. And yet Jesus said, listen... Would it be standard operating procedure after the servant has worked in the field all day to say, you've been working hard, you need to sit down and relax and then I'll do dinner afterwards? No. It would be get cleaned up so you can serve me and then once you're done serving me my dinner, then you can go and have yours. Now, I like the way Jesus put this in the next verse. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not. Now, we do not use the word trow in modern English, but how many of you don't understand what is being said there? I mean, how many of you get it? You've got to be kidding me. You see, we, we talked about this at the beginning. There was a difference, supposed to be a difference, in those that have faith and how they interact with others and those that do not have faith and how they interact with others. It it was to a point to where the disciples said, Lord, we need you to increase our faith. And Jesus is saying, now listen, I want you to understand something. If you had a servant... And the idea is, if you were a servant, 
because that was a whole lot closer to where the disciples would attain in society than, than where they had attained in society. Uh, he said, if you were a servant, if, if someone had control over your schedule and you were out working in the field all day, would you expect to come in and enjoy dinner before the master of the house had his? Absolutely not. You would understand that it was your job to get yourself cleaned up and, and get ready and serve the dinner and do the, fin- the, the final work of the day. And then you would have your time uh, to relax at the end of the day when everything was done. Now, this was normal life. All throughout the Roman Empire... And Jesus is saying, listen, if this is the way a normal servant would behave, what difference do you have when you complain about all the work that you have to do for the Lord? And he says, you need to have an, if you want increased faith, here's an attitude that you're going to have to get. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded, you say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which is our duty to do. If we want increased faith, you know what? There are people who are not saved, who for all practical purposes, as far as we understand, they don't want to be saved. They don't want to be born again the Bible way because their religion does not include that as part. But I'll tell you what, they show up every time they're supposed to show up at their meeting place they call a church. We have a tendency to really pat ourselves on the back when we just make services. But let me tell you, people make services uh, all over the place. In fact, I remember one time driving down the New York State Thruway and, and it was cold. I, I can't. I think we were coming back from uh, 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 the the men's meeting in Montreal, and we pulled into a rest area to get coffee and uh, and things. And and there in the parking lot was blowing snow. Uh, this man had a mat out on the ground beside his car, and he was praying because that's what his religion told him to do. We need to understand that when we do what is commanded, that's all we've done. If we want faith, we got to go beyond what we can do. Isn't that what happened when you got saved? You see, there's a great distance between us and God. Amen? In fact, that distance is so far that it is not possible for anything that I do to bring me closer to God or close enough to God to deserve His mercy and His love. God has to move toward me. And what God asks me to do that will uh, cause Him to move in my direction is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I I like the way one preacher said it. He said, when you take one step toward God, God takes one step toward you, but His steps are a little bigger than yours are. Amen? Uh, 
when we say, I surrender my ability to save myself and I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, God bridges the gap between us and eternity and saves us. And I hope you don't ever get tired of hearing this because we've we got to get a hold of it. How you got saved is how you live for God. Just because we do the things that the Bible says, we've got to understand that God is moving a whole lot farther than we are. And God wants to move a whole lot farther than we are. He's not afraid of giving us increased faith. But God will not give us increased faith that will harm us or hurt us or make us complacent where we are. He wants to move us beyond our boundaries. Because what we can do and what we're capable of is not worth anything concerned to God. But what He is capable of doing through us is the direct result of faith. That's how you got saved, if you're saved tonight. And that's how we ought to live for Him if we want the Lord to increase our faith. This is not some kind of melancholy, uh, beat my chest and deprecate myself and talk about how horrible I am as a person. I've only done that which is my duty to do. No. This is understanding that my duty can only take me so far. My obedience to God's Word is only going to move me just the teeniest little bit. But when I obey God's Word, it opens a door called faith and God begins to do things that only God can do. Now, how much of us need faith? I mean, just lift up a hand and say, I I need God to do some things. You know, we we wonder at at the meeting... I was there and uh, all of a sudden a man came up and shook hands with me. I talked a little bit about Brother Luke Harrigan this morning. And uh, Brother Luke and I have been friends. I mean, we're just kind of hit and miss. I, I probably haven't seen him in ten years. And he, Brother Pete, I, Brother Luke, how are you? And we're just sitting there chattering back and forth like two little kids. And everybody's looking at us like, where in the world did he come from? And uh, nearly twenty years. He's been just chipping it out one little soul at a time there at that at a Haitian church in Miami, Florida. Luke's Haitian. Grew up in a missionary's home. They adopted him, he, he and his brothers, and, and literally raised them up. And, and they're all preachers serving God today. Tell you what, that missionary got back their investment. I'll tell you that. And... Brother Luke got up and gave the testimony. He says, we need $20,000 by January 31st, or we're going to lose the $30,000 we put down. I'll tell you what, that's not a fun place to be. Been there, done that. And so we gave a little bit, and other churches gave a little bit, and and it just seemed, brother, those that were there remember it, it just seemed like nothing was happening. And all of a sudden it was $10,000. And all of a sudden it was fifteen, And they're, they're going to do this. And they raised the whole $20,000. Over, over $21,000 was the total they raised for Brother Luke. I think it 
probably took 10, 12 minutes maybe. I'll tell you what, I was crying at the end of that one. Brother Luke was standing there on the platform. He just didn't even have any idea what to do when, when the Lord does that. But struggling down there for just being faithful for 20 years. You know, I'm glad the Lord didn't make us wait that long on this building. I, I just, but I don't know why the Lord does things differently. It, it's not the person, but Brother Luke is a faithful servant of the Lord. It's the way God chooses to work. And when we get in the way and start trying to tell God how He's going to work, that's how we become faithless. And we close the doors. But when we admit and just get to that point to where we say, listen, I'm an unprofitable servant. I have not done anything that other people don't do. I mean... If, if you understood how much work it takes, stop and, stop and think about just anything. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of Hollywood, but how much does it take to make one of those big movies? How much effort do they put in building sets and making props and, and recording sound and, and pacing everything together? And, of course, it's a lot easier today, we say, because it's all done digitally rather than uh, the old days. They used to actually take the sound tape and glue it to the film frames. And that's why in some of those old movies, the mouth's moving like this and the sound is half a second behind uh, is because somebody was a little careless there. But they do so many more things. I mean, in the old movies, you had two or three tracks of sound, uh, maybe four at the most. Now they've got hundreds all compressed in. It's all put in. How much effort does it take? And yet, let me tell you something. The world is willing to put the time in to make a movie. About Spider-Man. I'm sorry if you're a Spider-Man fan. But. Why can't we. Ask God to give us a spirit of excellence. And And I'll tell you. That only happens when you get past yourself. That's what this passage is talking about. When we stop being content or stop looking for praise, when we stop asking God to reward us for doing the very same things everybody else does. You see, it's when we get our eyes off of what we do and put them only on the Lord Jesus Christ, then we understand that no matter what we accomplish, it's nothing in His sight because He's God. And we bow our will and our mind and our intentions and our heart. That's when the door of faith gets opened up and we get more faith. Remember, just a grain of a mustard seed can remove a 70-foot tree. 
transported over 50 miles and stick it in the sea. That's what Jesus said right there. He's trying to illustrate to us how powerful faith is. And don't be worried. Mark chapter 10, Jesus said, Whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. There is a world of service to Jesus Christ. And it's one of the things I'm trying to instill in uh, Stephen as I got him as the janitor of the church here. He said, you've got to understand, just because the building is clean does not mean you've done your job. There, there, there is a whole world of excellence that you can seek if you're willing to put your heart and mind into it. Well, you're not satisfied with anything I do. No, that's not the point at all. I want you to move past the ordinary. Because God wants us to. God wants each one of us to refuse to be satisfied, to refuse to allow what we can accomplish to be the end of our accomplishment. It's only when we say we are unprofitable servants, we've done that which is our duty to do, God, we, we need the miracle. You know the reason God doesn't do miracles today? So often is because we do them for Him. We, we make so there is not necessary. Why do we need miracles when we have Visa and MasterCard, right? Let me tell you something. This is familiar territory. It's just a reminder, beginning of the year, good time to set some of these things in line. Do we want 2015 to just be another year? Or do we want to be a year of increased faith? If we want it to be a year of increased faith, then what we have to understand is we are unprofitable servants. We've done that which is our duty to do. Lord, we don't need a lot of faith. As the Syrophoenician woman said, Even the children, I mean, even the dogs get the crumbs that fall from the children's table. That's all we need. And yet God does not want to treat us like that. But He cannot give us the goodness of His bounties until we get past ourselves. Until we stop expecting it. And all God's people said, Heavenly Father, I ask that you would increase our faith. And I do understand that when I pray that prayer, we are asking to be made uncomfortable as a church. Because that's the only way this happens. Lord, we need more faith. We need our faith to be increased if we're going to see you work in our midst. And Lord, we ask that this would be a theme for our Uh, church this year, and Lord, that our people would grasp and each one of us would understand this is not some introspective, melancholy, beat-yourself-up thing. This is an expectation of the greatness and goodness and the bountiful riches that belong only to God to be expended upon our behalf that we may be His servants. Lord, I ask that you would give us that understanding and that desire. 
to live a life of increased faith throughout this coming year. In Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish our prayer, let's just keep our heads bowed. If you want to just slip out of your seat and spend a little time at the altar, you may. We'll just have a moment of prayer. And then we'll get into our our actual prayer time tonight.